Welcome back to the big interview with Graham Hunter and today's guest, Emiliano Martinez, born in Argentina, made famous by Arsenal. This is a guy whose overnight success has been 10 years in the making. 10 years full of confusion, determination, some heartbreak, a lone spell at Reading, a lone spell at Getafe. Arsenal didn't know the gem that they had. Signed as a teenager, he did a massive favour for his club, Independiente, in moving to Arsenal. But the story of the circumstances in which he grew up, um, the pretty extreme poverty which has helped shape him as a character, but has also bonded his extraordinary family together, that's worth listening to. He gave that emotional interview, didn't he, after winning the FA Cup, and I guess that made people more interested in him. We were already negotiating to get Emiliano on the big interview. When he did come on, it was from a very appealing-looking holiday um, in Portugal. There's a little bit of background noise, but it all adds to the character. In this interview, we're going to find out where those tears came from, what inspired them. Emiliano also breaks down brilliantly, in my view, the importance of modern sports psychology, using terms I hadn't heard before, but defining really clearly how it is that when his opportunity came to him these last few months, he took it so brilliantly. May I introduce on the big interview, the mighty Emiliano Martinez. Emiliano Martinez, welcome to the big interview. It's good to have you on as a guest. Normally, we, we like to talk about things that make our guests, their chests swell out or make them smile. But, Emiliano, let's start with tears. Because you know Britain well enough by now that we love people who fight. We do love winners, but if winners show their emotional side as well, then you're an honorary Brit for the rest of your life. Probably you're going to get a House of Lords entry. You're going to be... Uh, Lord Martinez. So, tell us where the tears came from and why they came. Obviously, uh, I went through a lot through the youth. And obviously, when I left my hometown in Argentina, I was really young when I left my house, uh, my home at the age of 12. Uh, obviously, for a better life and for a dream, it was to play in Independiente, my club in Argentina. Um, and at the age of 12, I started living on my own in Buenos Aires. In, uh, it was like a it was like a hotel full of players from different parts of Argentina. Um, obviously, now my best friend is from there. But at the time, it was, it was difficult to leave my brother and to leave my mom and dad. Um, and at the age of 17, uh, 16, I was playing a tournament for Argentina under 17. And Arsenal obviously contacted my club. and They wanted me to do a trial for one week. Not a trial, it was, it's just a confirmation that to, for Benga to say yes and Jerry Payton who was a goalkeeper coach Arsenal at the time and, and when I came back to Argentina I wasn't really sure that I, I said to my agent I don't really want to leave Argentina I was too young uh, I was a teenager uh, honestly my mum and dad uh, my, no, my mum and my brother in the office of the chairman of Independiente said oh, look we, we, we want to sell you because we need to finish the stadium um, and my mom, my mom and my brother start crying. Say like, my brother was two years older than me. Says, please don't go. Uh, you're too young. You're gonna make it here in Independiente. And so financially, my my dad was struggling. 
Um, and I left. And honestly, after 10 years of fighting and going on loan and not having the opportunity in the club that I love and the club that I really wanted to succeed, uh, to success, um, like I was like, at some point, I was like, I'm not going to make it here. Uh, and when I did, and I had a chance after 10 years, I took it, those 12 or 11 games I played under Arteta um, in the Prem, and I won the FA Cup. It was like, it was emotional. It was it was a dream come true. Obviously, my dream was to, to be Arsenal number one and Argentinian number one. And that's why I said to my dad when I signed for Arsenal. Um, obviously, I done an interview straight after the game, and I remember my old, all, all the fight I done those ten years and those those tears because I just there was emotional tears uh, after the game. I I had some tears before because I, I wasn't I didn't have my chance in the club. But when I spoke with Chesney, um, he said, "Oh, congratulations! I knew you're gonna make it." And it was a nice message that he sent me. And, and I said to him, "Look, everyone had a chance in the club. You had a chance. Fabianski had a chance. And Munia, even Manoni had 15 games." Arsenal. I never had it. I said, we, we, we came from the youth and everyone had a chance apart from me. So that's why it took me 10 years to finally have a chance and I took it. And that's why I was emotional. It's a beautiful thing, emotion. I mean that now, no joking. When great sportsmen and women are dedicated and they're skillful and they show the world their heart, I think it's a beautiful thing. And what people outside uh, your circle didn't know is that by moving, you helped pay for the Libertadores de America. You helped pay for the Stadium of Independiente. I dedicated my whole life for Arsenal, basically. From 16, 17 to 27, 28, I dedicated just for Arsenal. Always, always my hard work was for Arsenal. So that's why it was emotional. I love this club and I want, to, I want to win a lot of things for Arsenal. Uh, and obviously, now when I get back, that's that's my first priority. Play as many games as I can to win more things for Arsenal. And I know that I can win more things with Arteta. But let's stop for a second, because the interview on the pitch after winning the trophy was one thing. But I have to believe that the first moment that you can turn to your wife and pass her an FA Cup medal needs to be a beautiful moment in your life. I, I'd love to know also... Did you do a Zoom call with all the family back home in Argentina and just showing them this little addition to the family? Yeah, you know, um, it's a picture of me talking with my, uh, with my family on Wem- at Wembley uh, after the game. It was, I called my, my wife called me in the dressing room. Obviously, it was very noisy. And she said, oh, please call your dad and your, and your, and your brother and your mom. That they all cry like they, my, your dad cannot talk. He's crying so much. And I said, OK, I, I go outside. Because in the dressing room was really noisy, and obviously when I called them, they were all crying and they were crying so much that obviously I had some tears as well after the game because the way they were crying. Uh, it was a really nice moment to be honest. It's a moment that I will never forget. In the game itself, was there any problem about crowding out not emotion but concentration or? or- on the day, never mind the game. In the day, you nothing got in the way. Nothing, because I knew exactly what I wanted, and obviously I work on psychologies as well, on red and blue mind. And obviously, uh, before the game, it was the game at four o'clock, and we had three circles with the psychologies of the club at one o'clock the day of the game, and an hour and a half the day before, just me and psychology to make sure. 
I leave the red uh, the red zone out of the game and concentrate on the blue side. Just, it was winning the game, help the team to win, distribution, concentration, crosses. And obviously through games, you the red zone goes on you on you like national team we're losing the game, uh, the FA Cup is going away and it, it, it goes with you. But the the I think the the best sportsmen they 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 transform or they 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 switch on quickly to the blue zone. And if you see our mentality of Arsenal, when we concede the goal, we we straight start playing better. We straight and we they, I did not have to do a save. I think after the, the goal, maybe one more save. And but the whole game, I was on blue zone. Comfort uh, and the second half, it was. I, I did not enjoy one moment because I was already focused. Uh, with, even with down to ten men, I, I knew Oli Giroud is one of the best header inside the box in the league. So you see, I take three, four crosses in the second half. The distribution was good. Um, it's something that really worked in my game. The mental side. You can tell by looking at me. It's too late for me to win an FA Cup medal, but it's never too late to learn. So. I'm a reasonably educated guy, and I did, Neil was nodding in the background there, I didn't know about blue zone, red zone. Do I interpret it correctly that the red zone is the... Is the, the negative side. Negative because you're flashing onto things that don't matter, because if you're thinking about the selection, that's not negative in itself, but it's negative in the moment because it can distract you from your performance. Is that fair? Is that right? It distracts you from the game because you cannot think about new contra. You cannot think about national team. You cannot think another club. You cannot think the next game if you're not concentrating in the crosses or in, in, in the shot from outside the box or in the distribution. You need to concentrate on the moment. And that's something I learned over the years. And I'm glad. Because before, when I was younger, I thought oh, psychology is just for crazy people. And it's wrong. Psychology is to help you concentrate and mature on the pitch, off the pitch as well. And uh, it's, it's something that I wish I'd done a long time ago. But I do it now. And when I do it, I feel, mate, I, uh, I'm, I'm ready to do everything in every moment. And then just focus in the game. And it's something, when, it, when I concede the goal in Chelsea, it goes through the head, oh, we're losing, FA Cup medal, trophy, but then I quickly switch on and say, okay, we're going to do it. Uh, concentrate on the next ball. Make make sure you don't concede again. And and that's something really good and really clever to work on as well, on mental side. Is, is it a little bit like you, you listen to top tennis players, top golf players talking about muscle memory. You can make the mind a muscle and, and remind it that it must contract and do the right things if something goes against you or if a difficult thought comes in, your mind can punch it away because your memory is not now. That's the wrong thought. Yeah, the, the, mind, the mind controls your body. Uh, I, got, I have friends in Argentina that they, they, they play like Messi, but the mental side, it took them to another path. And, and I, I learned over the years because I came from poor family. I came from... From and now everything think oh you reach and now you got everything and I and it's easy and it's not and it's it's so hard to to be at the top. Obviously now you think ah oh, you won the FA Cup you won this you you're a successful guy even if you retire now and I said no because my game I want to win World Cups I want to win the league I want to win Europa League I want to uh, and that's something that to work because you, if you relax if you're in the Benga used to say uh, players that gets into the comfort zone. 
they're not good enough. They have, we have to get rid of them. And it's true because people, players sometimes say, oh, we won. It's okay now. Next season, easy. That's when you get players in comfort zone and they, it doesn't work like that. You always have to win more and win more and won more. The, the credit goes to you and the credit goes to your psychologist, sports psychologist. But if you go way back, to whom do you owe a thank you for persuading you that sports psychology wasn't for somebody who's crazy? Sports psychology was like giving you an extra piece of power in your armory. Who convinced you to give it a try, to, to start to believe? Myself. Uh, and, and obviously, um, as well, a little bit, obviously, this is very internal, but I'm going to tell you to you. I, I beat my mum, because uh, obviously she was divorced from my dad, and she was a bit low, and she was a bit down, and, and I offered her to go to psychology because she was a bit low. And she said, oh, psychology for, for crazy people, like I'm saying, blah, blah, blah. and I went once with her to help her to obviously to have a new life, a better life. And from there, kind of like, obviously, and then Arsenal appoint uh, David, which is psychology of the club. Uh, and he, he came, please come to me, come to my office. I will help you when you're not playing. And I thought like, okay, I have a, a try. It was probably three, four years ago. And I was like, wow, this guy is actually good, you know? I've never thought, okay, I'm going to do exercise for mental brain. I said, exercise for brain. I was like, I'm not crazy. And actually, over the years, when I start playing, when I start doing exercise, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle. And when you do upper body, you walk on your arms and your biceps, and say, oh, it feels good afterwards. Well, it, this is the thing, same thing. That the day before the game in the final, I worked an, an hour probably or 45 minutes and I thought, wow, um, I'm confident, I'm ready, I want to play. And maybe before it's like, oh, maybe, oh, imagine if I don't play well in the final, what people would say. That's what people, that's what, but top professional hides that, they hide it. And I'm, I, I'm, I, I like to tell the people the truth, like what well, a really professional feels. They probably, obviously not the words, but they probably get scared. They go, everyone goes to the toilet five times before the game. But no one, no one likes to say that. But if you confidence on your, get, on your game, you can perform. Has it changed you, learning these things, has it changed you also as a man? Does it, do, do they give you things that you can bring into patience or determination in daily life? No, not really. Not really. Because I always had determination. I always had a hunger. I always have... It's something that is my strength is, is how much I want to win things, how much I want this in my life, how much I... Uh, I don't know. I like a, a game, a Call of Duty, and I play until I'm, uh, I die. Uh, I love my wife and my kid, and I will love them forever. You know, it's, it's something that I don't change. Often, and I wanted to be Arsenal number one. And I say, when I was 19, 18, I, I, when I go on purpose, uh, I don't stop doing it. That's that's me. But in between, I, I'm doing exercise. I'm doing the same thing that I'm doing power in the gym to make me a better goalkeeper. Now I'm doing this exercise last few years in, in your brain, and it helps me to to be even better. Do you think you've changed the life of your mom and your dad by showing them that all the time that they worried about you when you said, no, I'm determined, it's fine, don't worry about me, leave me, I'm a grown-up now. And now, I guess they always trusted you, but now they see you with millions of audience playing really well, playing really well for weeks, 
and a medal. Do you think you've changed their lives by what you've done? No, not really, because we, we all are really humble family, business people, and they knew that was going to happen at some point. They knew my talent. They knew how much I, I worked for. And when I done it, they, they said, you done it. That's what you were working for. They, so they, they were not surprised. So they were not like, oh, okay, now we, everyone knows us more. Not really, because they knew how much I worked and they knew that that moment would come. And I knew it as well. It's a beautiful thing to listen to this kind of certainty. Um, I, I guess what I want to ask now a little bit is that when, when we've had guests on this, I don't know if you've been in England long enough to remember Kevin Kilban playing for Blackburn and for Ireland and for Everton. And Kevin is now a commentator. And he told us about how when he was young and growing up in Lancashire, there were weekends when he didn't have food, they didn't have electricity, they used to take a 50 pence piece and wrap wire around it and put it into the meter to get electricity, but then the wire would pull the 50 pence piece back out again because they didn't have enough money to pay for the electricity. When you talk about how tough things were for your parents, try and give people some understanding about the, what the struggle was like and, and also why it was like that, because most of our audience haven't been to Buenos Aires or Argentina and therefore they can't compare. Um, no, I explain. I'm from Mar del Plata. It's just, it's a lovely seaside um, city, but obviously, um, people that really know that we lived uh, in a house. Obviously, my mom and dad couldn't afford the, to have uh, doors, so we lived me, my brother, the kitchen, my dad and my mom in one room for four years until my dad can afford to extend and do a, a door and move to. We have no toilet. Obviously, we used to walk probably four or five kilometers to get a, a, a bus to go to the school. So me and my brother used to walk since the age of four and six alone to the school. Because obviously, my mom has to work in cleaning uh, apartments. And my dad had to go and, and it was a, a truck transport. Obviously, it was, it was working for... It was getting fish from the ships and transporting to the... A fabric factory, I don't know how you say. And he was just a driver, I used to work 20 hours to, to get obviously the money, the enough money. And it was, it was his own track. And it's a story that obviously I, I left early in school because I couldn't, I was a bit sick. And, and my dad picked me up from the school and took me to work. And it was raining. And my dad had a track, it had a hole in the ceiling. And it was, it was pure in rain inside the track. And it, it was just a story that one, some, one day we used to have just white rice. And I remember it wasn't enough for everyone. So my mom and dad said, oh, we're not hungry. And, and you, can, you and your brother can eat. And I, I, was, I was old enough to understand what was going on. And my mom, when, when she read that, I said, oh, how can you say that? How can you, you make us look like a... And I said, no, mom, this is... My brother said, this is a reality. People like to know stuff like that because no, I, I didn't born in a golden uh, cot and it, it, everything that when I went to Buenos Aires my dad he was struggling to pay the petrol to come to see me so I used to borrow money from my friends there in the hotel asking for some money to get a bus to go to see them to Mother Plata it was four hours away from Buenos Aires and I'm proud 
of how far I become. Now I can buy them wherever uh, we go. 50 trucks. My brother sells fish to different countries. Uh, we go uh, um, um, a construction company with my brother. Uh, he, my dad got free cars. And when I signed for Arsenal, because they, they were giving me a bonus, to, it was enough to buy my dad a car. And it, one of the reasons I wanted to sign because I was going to get a signing fee to buy the car for my dad. Like he always wanted to work. You know, it's, when I say yes, it wasn't because it was Arsenal, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world. It was because I was going to give them a better life. And it's a, it's a lovely story. And that, that was, that was the first question from you, where the tears come from. I can tell you much more. And it's, it's a long story. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I think that when people see glory, when people see success, it doesn't matter if it's baseball or boxing or football or golf, and they feel that they can connect with the story, I think you inspire people, boys and girls, in different circumstances, maybe not as tough as your family had it, but they say, look what he did, look at his trajectoria, and they say, I can do it. So the reason to tell this story is not to go back and look at how humble it was. I think it's an inspiration. I trained four years in the past, in the age from eight to 13, and the, and the goal was, was two balls from one side to the other, or two jumpers. You put one jumper there, one jumper on the other side, that's a go. And from the age of 8 to 12 in the park. And, and that's, that's a reality. People can, can make it with nothing. There's no excuses. But the difference from the young people now to the, 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 the people before in Argentina, it was like everyone gives you a ball as a present or you play out with your friend. Here maybe they... They go out for clubbing or they, they go out for play PlayStation or they go different. In England, they got a different mentality, the young, young boys. They don't really hang out outside. They hang out more inside playing uh, video games or they go iPhones. Or, uh, which Where I live, where I'm from, it's, it's a different story. It's just everyone breathes football in Argentina. There's something that uh, is, is so much love, so much passion for it. And I'm glad I'm from there. You, you think that some of the basic passion, hunger for football, where, where you see in England, has been lost a little bit? No, not lost. It's because it, they, don't, they, don't, they didn't go through what I've been through. I'm not wishing anyone to, to go through what, you know what I mean? I, I don't wish my kid to go what I've been through, but I'm proud. And I, I, we chose my life again the same way because... The, the reason that I am the person I am today is because my mom and dad 
of how much it worked to to get what they wanted to get me a roof. My dad, it was he was so proud in his life for me and my brother to have a roof. That was his purpose in life. Imagine how tough that was. And um, we had a roof, but I had no doors for two, three years. But he was proud, and we were we were happy. And that's the main thing. That's what I want to teach my kid one day to to have a purpose in life and to appreciate everything. Let's pass you some appreciation. So one of the guys who always follows our interviews is a guy called Ben Nicholson. And Ben says, as a Reading fan, Emiliano, it's safe to say you played an enormous part in keeping us up the other year. While it's very easy for loan players to coast along when they know they're leaving, you always seem so determined and you bought into the club, Reading and the supporters. How do you feel that the mental challenge of trying to keep a club up prepared you or helped prepare you for your chance this season? And he says, by the way, every Reading fan was thrilled to see you lift the cup. Did it help you prepare for the way you took your chance this season, the time at Reading? Particularly, I guess, after the, the Reading Arsenal game must be one of the most difficult experiences of your life, right? Yeah. It was... It was uh, when I had uh, the option to go at Reading. It was it was yes, uh, obviously because I knew the club. They are seven five. That every Arsenal fan remember that game, and they hammered me for so many years for one game that was eighteen nineteen. I was very nervous that game. Obviously, every you know when everything when they shoot it was a goal. It was four 0 in twenty minutes. Um, and when I had the Reading, I had um, the that mentality because I'm a winner and I wanted to succeed already I said to myself and to my wife this is my last loan in my career I do not want to go on loan again and that kind of helped me to say okay you know what I'm going to give my best here every game obviously I'm so um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm so thankful to Reading because uh, the way uh, Jose Gomez was uh, the coach and all, all, all my mates which are some of them I keep in touch um, they give me the opportunity to play, and the, the the football style that Reading had it suit me. They play out on the back, they risking through uh, balls to the middle, and it was a challenge for me. And it's, it was it was double challenge. It was keeping them up, and last load on my career, and that keeps me going through. I don't know, it was eighteen games on the bounce, or nineteen games, and when I finished the season at Reading, I was like. That's that's Amy that I want to see every game, and obviously uh, I spoke with Arsenal saying, okay, if you are no second choice with equal chances to be number one, I'm leaving. And obviously Javi Garcia and Unai, they trust me. They sold Ospina to limit that spot, and obviously Sech retired, and I had the equal chances with Leno this season playing Europa League and I played 23 games at Arsenal. But I carry on where I left with Reading because. The way, the way I finished with Reading is the way I wanted to play for Arsenal. So I'm playing the same way that I did with Reading. The same confidence. And you I want to do the same thing next season. Now we'll come to that for sure. You've been lucky in that you've been around some Hispanics, some Spanish-speaking people in your time at Arsenal that are incredible. So for example, I imagine at your low point, watching the determination of Santi Casola to come back must have been... Not an inspiration because you're a winner, you're hard, you're determined, but when you see somebody else, it's like a shared experience. And if I'm not wrong, let's not talk about Mikel Arteta, the manager. Also, Mikel Arteta, the teammate, is, is an intelligent man, a, a good man, not just a good football man. 
and somebody who I think maybe helped you when you needed support and feeling and encouragement, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, Mikel and Santi and Nacho, they were really good influence for us, for me and Hector Bellerin. Um, because I, I remember Mikel saying, oh, Amy, I think you're ready now to play. You, you improve so much. And I was 20, 21. And the way he was talking is to like a manager. And he was, he was a player, you know, that was Mikel. He took me one to his house uh, because his wife's Argentina. He invited me for lunch. Um, he, he was a lovely, lovely man as a, as a football player. Obviously, we have respect for him, Santi and Nacho, because they were older than us. But I think for Hector and for me, they were, they were examples. And obviously, what happened with, um, with Casola, it wasn't just an inspiration for any footballer. It was an inspiration for young kids. And it, that was that was football is all about. It's about inspiring young people as well, not just playing the game. Uh, for me, it's not just a game. It's, it's more than that. Um, for some footballers, no. Some footballers, it's just football. For me, it's an inspiration and it's a model for young people. For, so where I come from, there's lots of people who go through drugs and go through, they, they prefer drugs instead of going somewhere else. And football, uh, it, it takes your mind away from that. It takes your the, the mind away from nightclub, from alcohol, from drugs. Um, and what happened with Santi, it was the same. He inspired people saying, oh, if he, they got an injury, if he got so loud, in three years, we have a game and come back and was a key player for Villarreal. Why, why I cannot do it? Why? So it's, it's something I take my hat off for uh, Santi. Um, and obviously, if you one day I see me again, I would just say congratulations, and you you're an inspiration for everyone. Well, he's he's gone to play with Xavi in Qatar, and I'm in contact with Xavi, so I'll pass the message for you. Uh, one of our socios, one of our socios, Richard Cook, says that one of the great things about the cup final and other games not having fans is you can hear the manager. And Richard says that Arteta shouting instructions in English, in French, in Spanish. In ca- and also the quality. It seems to everybody outside that Arteta is one of these managers that in the drinks breaks, he's got so much clear, concise information. Like, for example, um, asking Tierney to go after Aspi. Uh, it seemed that's what he was indicating. It seems like in, in breaks, when managers normally can't get a lot of information through, he goes, this, 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 everybody listens, and then it happens, right? Yeah, yeah, right. It's a really good advantage for us having Arteta in the water break. He tells so many things in, I don't know, in 20 seconds. <laughs> um, he's a very clever man. Um, you can tell uh, Abami and the captain and the, the leader of our team saying, my manager in a, in a social media post. Um, it means a lot having a, a manager like him and it means a lot knowing Every single player knowing that we trust him. Um, you know, when, when you have a manager that not every, everybody in the club or in the team trusts him, it's difficult to, to everyone be on board and go in the same way. And we are Teta and obviously his team. You can feel that you're going in the same direction. And that's the key. That's why we won the cup. That's why we qualified to Europe because everyone is, is pushing the same way. So... What does Arteta, I guess you're going to now have to fight out with Leno for the number of first team places. But what does Arteta ask you as a goalkeeper to do? Because 
you seem to be extremely, like Jeff Degen or Ederson or Allison, you seem to be extremely comfortable with your feet. He wants to play out from the back. Explain what Arteta is asking of you or has been asking of you. Well, um, obviously with Arteta, he wants us to be high uh, and, and play as a, as a centre-back. When we play with line of, line of four at the back, we are a spare centre-back. We, we are actually behind them. And obviously it's a high risk. But that's what he wants us to play, I and mean, he, he wants us to be a football player. And obviously, uh, me and Ben, we can do it. And I feel really comfortable with the ball on my feet. Um, we score, I think, since the restart, and I want to start playing, I think we call three goals playing now from the back and obviously doing what he wants. And obviously, he, if he says, Amy, you have to be outside the, the, the box and, and play with the centre back. We all do hands, and you have to do it. And I'm, I'm, and I, I feel connected with them the whole time. And when I feel connected with my back four, and I touch the ball a lot, uh, that's why I, I perform because I'm, I'm, I never switch off of the game. And it's something that I'm, I'm, I really enjoy doing it. Obviously, no many, many goalkeepers they don't really want the risk because obviously, we if we make a mistake, it's a goal. And and you make a mistake, Arsenal, it's a, it's a big thing. But we. We're comfortable. I've been doing it so many times, so many years. Uh, I play futsal so many years in, in Argentina. So I'm comfortable with my feet. So I'm thinking, when you say about goals after restart, I'm thinking about that build-up goal against Manchester City, against the maestro of this whole idea. That goal was, was not just important to get to... It was beautiful. That was one of the goals of the... Yeah, I mean, that's the right word for it, right? Uh, uh, that's, that's exactly what he works in training. Switching side, me uh, waiting for the, the striker to press me, and, and you think, oh, the goalkeeper is, is, I have to wait for someone to come to me. I'm like, if I miss it, it's got to go, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's beautiful. I like the risk. And, and when, when, we make, when you risk, you get rewards. And we're glad that we did it against City, that's the best passing team, if you know in the world, is the best passing team in England. Okay, you've talked about the back four plus the, 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 the centre half without the hands. You're part of your, you make the back four a back five. We have sponsors. And Bet365 have sent in this question to Emiliano. Um, past or present? So from your whole experience, playing with, watching, admiring, who would be your dream back four to play behind? So you're in your dream team. I'm putting you as the goalkeeper and you can pick any back four. Who would those four names be? Well, so obviously, uh, Van Dijk. Uh, I watched so many times and I played against him a few times. He's, he's, he's ridiculous. He's so strong and he's so good with his feet. And he's, you, can, you can hear him the whole game. He's a leader. Uh, I really like him. Um, Hector Bellerin, first year to Arsenal. He was unbelievable. The best right back I've ever seen live. Uh, we chose Bellerin, Van Dijk. In England or anywhere? You can go Raton Ayala, you can go Pochettino, you can go anybody you care for. Ramos, I'll go Ramos and uh, Ashley Cole. It's a perfect selection, it's a perfect answer. And I remember you playing against Ramos. The first time I ever commentated on one of your games was Getafe at Bernabeu. And okay, the score went the wrong way and the idiot striker got himself sent off. But you made, I remember, three a really good save from Cristiano Ronaldo right in close. One from Benzema at his feet and one diving from Gareth Bale. 
And I was like, if this guy plays like this, why is he not number one at Arsenal? Was my point of view that day in La Liga when you were with Getafe. Yeah, honestly, um, I, I would improve so much and if I was playing every game for Getafe. Um, uh, that's what Jerry Payton said, that they, they would not buy anyone if he, I was playing every game. Obviously, when I, because obviously when I went there, uh, it was already so close from the league, from La Liga to start. Uh, obviously, the manager didn't know me, so he, he played White at the time, was the number one for Palace now. And obviously, we started winning and the team was doing really well, so he couldn't change. Uh, so I think he, I played 10 games in the whole season. It was a really bad season for me, personally. I need you to explain, and the, I know there are no secrets behind what you do because it's about talent, determination, concentration. But in lockdown, I want to know about this machine you had in the back garden that you made your wife work because it sounds like something out of James Bond. And you're going to tell me it's much more simple than that. But describe it. Take us into your back garden, please. Um, I had a, a ball launcher from from uh, Sao Bibo from the club said, oh, Amy, I think it's, uh, it's a good idea for you to use this ball launcher, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? To say, yeah, I want it. Uh, and honestly, I used my wife the whole time to put the balls in the ball launcher. He was, uh, sometimes he used, he used to miss, he used to press uh, the speed button without knowing. And he used to fire that ball machine like a bullet. It was, it was so good. Uh, and I used to do loads away. I had a mini gym set up with, uh, with ball drills and I had hurdles. I had, so because I knew that that, that injury with Ben might happen because we had, I think, 12 games or 14 games in, in, in seven weeks. So he might, I knew that maybe he might get a, a small injury or something. It might mean one or two games. Um, so when I, when, I, when I started against Brighton, I was so prepared. But the ball launcher, is that like you see in baseball cages where you're standing with the bat and you, you put the ball in the machine and it fires straight at you? Is it simple as that? Well, you can move it around, so you, you, you can do it straight, you can bend it, you can go in different direction, you can put it in one side and, and then um, put like you can curl it into the other side. It's a very clever machine. And when you said that you, your wife accidentally touched the speed button, you sure it was an accident? It didn't. Nah, I don't know. She was. Oh, I'm sorry. And then she, like, obviously, she was helping me because we had like 10, 15 balls, so she was firing it one, one after the other, so just to get the eye of the ball. She's part of the glory. She deserves half of the medal, at least in that case. She's my trophy. He, her, my kid. Then perfect. I know that you, you don't know me very well, but if you allowed me to talk about football like this and sports psychology like this, I could talk all night and into next week. But we have to respect that you've got another interview coming up. So I don't want to finish, but I'm going to finish because I'm good for my word. By saying, um, Bet365, our sponsors asked us about your, your goals for next season as you sit here now and next season is so close because of the strange situation that we're going through I know with your psychology you must have set yourself objectives what are they? Obviously be Arsenal number one and, and Argentina number one for the Copa America Are you the guy to help Messi lift the Copa America to lift the World Cup I, I live in Barcelona I've been in Barcelona 19 years I've interviewed him 19, 20 times. It's been the thrill of my life to watch that genius so close. 
And it seems wrong that he's never lifted a World Cup. The World Cup is near. He's going to be 35. You're going to be number one in Qatar. Are you the keeper that can make the saves that gives Messi his World Cup? I hope so. I will work my life for him. I will do everything for him. So if he really needs that, I will, I will work that would I work now to, to, for him to win that trophy. So I hope so. Then let me, uh, let me say to you, boa noite, because you're in Portugal. Uh, buenas noches. Muchísimo gracias. Boa noite. Boa noite. Muito obrigado. Uh, then let's say, let's try to make a promise before the Copa America next summer. Please, can we invite you back on the big interview? Um, maybe in person if COVID has gone away. Let's have one more session before you go to win the Copa America because this has been fantastic, Emiliano. It's good to talk about football and everything that we've seen on the pitch. You've represented this interview. So thank you to your wife and, and to your kid for, for giving you over to us. Muchísimas gracias. Forza Argentina, Forza Emiliano. Gracias. Gracias, amigo. Chao, chao. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.